1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Wildcat Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Shearer, here with Jason Shearer. And before we begin, we have a word from our sponsor.
1: Yes, Shelby, we have a word from our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Password, code word, WildcatScoop23, all capitals, new customers. Get 15% off their first order with that promo code. They're actually doing something really cool. It's can't miss kickoff for the next few weeks, so they're going to have um, football boxes show. What? All right. so it's basically is you get one branded designer box, perfect gift even if you're the gift. Uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida, Indiana, Nebraska, a ton are getting boxes, so they're going to drop boxes. It actually started on Sunday. Um, it's really cool, and so I, I don't believe Arizona's part of the box, unfortunately.
2: Not um, yet so do you want to be part of the box
1: uh look anytime you can get your hand on a box you're gonna try right so uh today <laughs> tuesday see i like when they do the small school show so like on august 29th today the 70s champs collections delaware and montana state
2: Ooh, delaware that, that's a really cool yeah collection. like
1: it's gonna be sick we got umass uh dog i think just broke the window during that ad read. what just happened I, have no idea. <laughs> I think her window just broke and, uh, yeah, other schools this week. Sorry. So, back, to, uh, someone is robbing us, but this ad read is way too important. Delaware, Montana State, Wednesday, Southern Illinois, Georgia Southern, Thursday, UMass, North Carolina, AT&T, Friday, Appalachian State, and Montana, Wildcat Scoot 23, all caps, one word. I'm not really sure what you're waiting for because if you haven't noticed, college football is here. Have no fear. Here's Jason Shear. College football is here. Here.
2: because it's game week Arizona football is back
1: Shelby went outside this morning yelled it's game week and shot a gun in the air I mean that's nope. how excited I,
2: I didn't do that she
1: went in our bathroom and kicked the door down too I did I do mean, that
2: I like to kick bathroom yeah, doors this is where we're at um so Arizona Men's football, a.k.a. the only football. Not women's football. (laughs) Not not the women's football team. It is men's football. Um, We'll be playing NAU on Saturday, so that's exciting. Shelby's
1: sister went to NAU, and even though she doesn't know what a football is, we're pretending like it's a big family rivalry.
2: Right, yeah. We told my sister Veronica that Arizona is playing NAU this weekend, and she said, oh, NAU has football? (laughs) So that's where we're at uh, with my sister, But um, we're going to – what are we talking about today on this podcast?
1: Uh, (laughs) Glad you asked, Shelby. (laughs) Uh, Jetfish had the old weekly press conference. There we go. Just to to summarize how this is going to go down pretty much every week for the rest of the season, I think. I'm not sure they're going to change it for away games. We'll find out next week. Monday, Jetfish presser. Tuesday, Brendan Carroll, Johnny Nansen, one offensive player, one defensive player, Wednesday day off. Thursday, Jedfish Fish to preview the opponent. Boom, bam, bam. This week, Wednesday, is lunch with Dave Hickey, the media. The esteemed wow. media is going to be eating lunch with Dave Hickey. They're the, keeping you busy this at week. At the Sands Club, if I don't
0: want to brag or anything.
1: But Shelby, I'm excited. There's so many games already on Thursday. We got your favorite team, uh, Kent State. versus. No, here's the thing. You don't like Kent State. I'm just joking. Yeah, I know. Um, But, like, now I have an excuse. Like, honey, you need to clean the house. And I'll be like, no, Shelby. I need to watch UCF at 4 o'clock on a Thursday because they're a a future Big 12 now.
2: Yeah. you got to do your job.
1: I'm very excited. I mean, look, Shelby. we got Florida, Utah.
2: Yeah. That's a big game. That is a big game.
1: Nebraska, Minnesota, which is a big game in the Michael Luke house. Michael
2: Luke's watching that with his parents. And
1: we got ASU playing. So anytime ASU plays. And then, Shelby, we even got games on Friday. Amazing. We got Kansas, our Big 12 brethren, uh, me and you, we're probably, I mean, we're going to have to interrupt our normal Friday night session for Stanford, Hawaii.
2: I, I thought we were going to do Bear Down Friday.
1: Well, no, we can't do any of that. Oh, man. Because Aurora is a oh, right right, now.
2: Our child is a, a oh. JV dancer. And so, yeah. We're we keep... literally
1: having a full conversation on the podcast. We, okay.
2: This is a podcast about our lives now. And um, actually, no. We do have some things to talk about. Starting with Arizona does not have a depth chart yet. That was kind of funny today. That it said, will be released on Thursday. Is this jedfish playing chess?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. NAU doesn't have a depth chart either. It's super weird. <laughs> Alabama said... Nick Saban said, look, I'm really sorry to you guys. And like, he meant it. Uh, He probably didn't mean it. He said, we're not releasing a depth chart for the first game. Oregon's depth chart was what position the guys play, not order. So Bo Nix was listed at quarterback. Thank God. Uh, The best depth chart story in college football was Indiana coach Tom Allen, not naming the starting kicker. The other positions had starters, but he said literally, I know my starting kicker, but I'm not telling you that yet. <laughs> and he was serious as if you can game plan for a kicker. I don't, I honestly, I think it's motivation because there really are some position battles that have been going on the last few weeks. And I, and I'm sure, you know, you want to see how guys now handle the game week. Maybe there's a receiver for instance, or someone that really steps up on practice on Monday and you say to yourself, Oh, maybe I'll switch up the, you know what I mean? I don't think it's anything super meaningful uh, I don't really care. There's really only a couple positions, and we'll get to that in a bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not him. I don't think he's scared of any you.
2: Yeah, well, I hope not, though we all know what happened. His first year, that was a much different team then, and uh, it's going to have a different result this time, we expect. Um, what do you think the biggest news coming out of Monday was?
1: Uh, To me, it was very clear, Shelby, and it actually got, when I tweeted it, I got, as if I was the head coach or the trainer, I got congratulations from Big 12 fans. Like, one person said, congratulations, that's great news, and it's like, well, I had nothing to do with it, but I appreciate it. Every scholarship player is healthy and available.
2: Amazing! Knock on wood,
1: there's still practices this week, but that's insane, because you look around uh, the country, and there's multiple season ending injuries or gambling or things like that. So um, that to me, there wasn't any real news. There's never really any real news on Monday unless there's a major injury. So the real news was that like the fact that these guys are healthy, obviously with that comes Jordan Morgan. Jed fish said Jordan Morgan is fully cleared medically. will start. They expect him to actually, you know, he, he really did well with his time off and his rehab Um, you know it's great news and and we kind of had the feeling there weren't any major injuries last time we saw Arizona practice but for them to be able to enter the season opener completely healthy is uh, is a very cool and and somewhat rare thing in college football these days
2: and we are in no way jinxing that entire situation
1: oh my god her finger's broken no I
2: did I just knocked on wood
1: oh my gosh
2: anyway you're such a drama queen um, Fish highlighted a few position battles. What are they, and where do you think they will actually stand as of Saturday?
1: Yeah, so I, I think in order to kind of analyze what he said, you got to realize that, like, some of it was coach speak because, and I-, I could be wrong. Maybe there's some surprises, but, like, there were a few position battles where, like, I'll just go in order. So he said, the wide receiver battle's still going. Who's the third, fourth, and fifth going to be? I think the fourth and the fifth is probably a legit battle. I would be really surprised if Kevin Green got the start over Montana Lamonius Craig because Kevin Green isn't an outside guy, mm-hmm. and that would just go against what we've seen in practice. And then he said Montana had a really, really good week the last week in camp. So I don't think that's coincidence, but they like Kevin Green, and he uh, he practiced really well the last few weeks as well. So you kind of keep him happy Uh, running back. I do think it's a legitimate competition after Michael Wiley. There's, there's no questions that Wiley is starting fish said that. Um, And then it comes down to who's your second. And, And I've said this before. I think I said that in one of our podcasts last week, I think the competition between Jonah Coleman and DJ Williams is much closer than people think. Uh, You know, DJ, when he's healthy, is a very good running back. And then even Speedy Luke, like they've got to get him touches. So, um, you know, Fitch said that basically it's Jonah, DJ, and Speedy to see who goes in second. And then one of the things they're deciding is do you give them their packages or do you just kind of see where Michael Wiley is during a game? Like, in other words, do you say, you know what, Speedy Luke, we're going to run these plays no matter how good Wiley is doing? Or do we say, you know what, Wiley's our guy let's kind of go by field. That's something they're still talking about. Uh, defensive line, he said there's seven to nine guys rotating. We know that. Um, we know the four, you know, the four starting, to me, I'd be surprised if it's not Isaiah Ward at the cap position, Bill Norton, Tyler Manoa, and then Taylor Upshaw at the other end. I think after those four, um, it's a relatively wide open. You know, is, is Oren Patu going to start at the end position, or is it going to be Tai Tai Ugaleli? Like, that, to me, is a competition. I, I think the four... The starting four is pretty set. Um, Linebacker, we know that Justin Flo and Danny Camilli have been competing entire camp. That's one of the ones I'm really curious about. And to be honest, I'm not sure the starter there means much because they're going to play in certain packages. Like Jetfish said it today that in terms of explosiveness, they haven't had a player in the program under Jetfish like Justin Flo. The problem is he's played in three different systems for three defensive coordinators. And he just doesn't, he's a little slow to pick up overall schemes. He's not great in coverage. He doesn't necessarily always understand where he's supposed to be. But when it's, hey, Justin, go get the quarterback or go get the running back. He's he's, real good. Right. So, you know, even if, no matter who starts there, I just think it's going to be a package deal. Like obvious passing downs, I think you're, you know, you'll probably see him really and and because he's better in coverage and all that, but that's a a legit uh, competition. And then obviously the, the one that is wide open and Jed didn't hint at all. They still have four safeties competing for two spots. That mm-hmm. one I have no feel for. Um, I think Genesis Smith and Isaiah Taylor are probably my leaders in front. But really, there'd be no combination that would surprise me because these guys all got uh, equal snaps throughout the spring. And fall. Ooh. Fall.
2: Well, and spring. All, all the times since they've Winter. been at Arizona. Um, Summer solstice. Fish loves the new clock rules, what are they, and do you agree with them? Well,
1: it was a little weird. Okay, so first off, the clock no longer stops on first downs except for the last two minutes of each half, and you can no longer take consecutive timeouts. So the whole freezing the kicker, I'm going to take three timeouts thing, is a penalty. I'm trying to remember what coach it was. That got penalized for it. There was a coach that got he he did the the back to back timeouts and and he got penalized for it. I don't remember who it is. It's going to bother me now. Um, I don't mind it. I mean, it, it's a little like I know people were kind of pissed because the first drive of the USC game, I believe, was like a seven and a half minute drive, um, and that was a, a bit. I mean, it, it's long, right? And, and so, but. I think Judd said that, like, uh, there's only three less plays on average a game. It went down from, like, an average of 68 to 65. He loves it. He said no one wants to watch a four-hour football game. If you can make a three-hour and 45-minute football game, a three-hour and seven-minute football game, fans will love it more. And I think he's right, especially in Arizona. When your games start at 7 or 7.30 or 8 o'clock and you're talking about a three-hour and 45-minute football game, that's a late night. It is I late mean, night. even if it's a Saturday, it's a late night. Not not for you and me. We're wild, you know. We sit up till three AM the other night, even though I'm I'm forty. I'm staying up to three playing video games. It's just what I do. They're show.
2: Very mature people,
1: but I don't mind them. Like I I know there's some people that hate them. Uh, I'm kind of mixed. What do you think? Do you like the? I mean, you're you you. I think you like the clock stopping, did not you?
2: I I was always a fan of icing the kicker. I I think that was a nice little chess move and a coach's uh you know strategy so it's a little bit weird but i mean i i see the benefit of it too i i do so i don't know i guess we're gonna get into the season and see how it goes and there could be coaches that take the penalty i guess i'm i i do not know we'll find out um it's
1: really gonna bother me who got the timeout?
2: we'll keep looking um and while you do that
0: I will read this last question. Um, Selling a little or a lot?
2: reflect on how far this program has come since the loss of NAU two years ago?
1: That's, like, a, that's a loaded question. It's a pretty
2: loaded question that you wrote for me to Dana say. Dana Dimmel.
1: It's Dana Dimmel, Thank former God. Arizona coach Dana Dimmel, who also Arizona's playing them in a few weeks, Utah, yes. who looked horrendous against Jacksonville State, but we'll talk about that. Shout out Rich Rod. Shout out Don Brown. Shout out everyone. Um, I can't remember, and I think I wrote this at the time, you can make an argument, and and really, you know Arizona was bad because the argument was between that game and the 70-7 to loss of the worst football moment in Arizona football history. I say it was probably the NAU because the loss to ASU got rid of someone. And I'm, uh, you know...
2: And and I just want to reflect here, people forget how bad someone left the program when he was gone. Like the fact that Jed Fish took the job and he was able to get through that first year, it was painful. And it was it was just so awful. So the fact that we lost NAU is like this big blight on the program history. But, like, it wasn't Jed's fault. He was using what was left in the cupboard, and the cupboard was bare.
1: And I think it was a wake-up call to everyone. And, look, the the reaction at the time was as bad as it gets. Ugh. Um, and, and I still don't – And even though I, I actually disagree with you a little bit, I understand the roster was that bad. You should be able to beat NAU running 50 times a game. Right.
2: Not in those circumstances. I understand.
1: But, like, Will Plummer and Gunnar Cruz should have been good enough to be—I'm I, I, just saying. Whoever it was at the time. And so, to me, it was, it was a really bad loss, right? Now, I also think it was a wake-up call even to a guy like Jed. And Jed said today at the presser, if you're listening to this on Monday, if not Monday, whatever, um, that— someone said was that when you knew just how much work the program needed and he's like no i knew how much work the program needed when arizona lost 70 to seven basically is what he said because remember like you're on tv and you see and and a part of me was like you know this this hurts like if you're a head coach do you really want to take a job at a school where a team just lost 70 to seven to their arrival like stuff like that is unheard of and um i think that was a, a good reflection of kind of where the program was and the biggest thing that Jed said was, we knew after that game, we watched tape, we analyzed the talent, and at the end of the day, it comes down to talent. College football is very difficult to win with inferior talent. There's a reason why, and, and I'm not taking away from Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, any of those guys, but there's a reason why these schools are the best in the country. There is a direct correlation between the best recruiting classes and the best teams. And I know there's examples to the rule. There's examples to every rule. But, I mean, it lines in up. General. Stars matter, right? And so, Rich Rod was pretty good. But if you look at Rich Rod's classes, they were actually pretty good, a lot of them. So, the Jed comes in and he hires a coaching staff where everyone recruits. Every single coach recruits. Maybe some don't recruit as much as others, but they all recruit. And even when... He hired Johnny Nansen. If you asked him, it wasn't that Johnny was the best X and O's guys. You know, I I think, you know, and and I like Johnny, but you could say, hey, look, you know, you could probably have gotten a better X and O guy. But Johnny's a very good recruiter. And at the end of the day, you're only going to be as good as the talent on your team. And so Johnny goes out and he's got relationships and brings in a bunch of Polynesian guys. And all of a sudden, there's a major talent upgrade. This Arizona team this season would beat that Arizona team by five touchdowns at least. Like I'm one hundred percent convinced of that, because that Arizona team scored nineteen points against NAU, and that defense was horrendous. Like I'm, I'm absolutely like I think it would literally be fifty-six to ten. Like and and so reflecting on it, it, I don't want to say it needed to happen because it sure as hell did it need to happen, but. The transfer portal has allowed Arizona – I think there's four guys that are still on the team.
2: From two years ago?
1: And, like, one of them is Seth McKellar, who's the long snapper. Like, it, it's just and, – and that wouldn't have happened without the transfer portal. And I don't like saying, you know, get rid of Dead weight and all that, but Arizona needed a talent upgrade. And, and, and I think that – reflecting on that, that was the first moment where I think a lot of fans realized, like, me and you – Message board people, the people that really paid attention to the program, knew how bad Kevin Sumlin did the Arizona program. But I think nationally, people didn't recognize that until they watched Arizona versus NAU, and they said, "Holy shit, this is the worst team in college football."
2: Yeah, it's real bad.
1: I mean, it is. uh, Remember, that's that was a one and eleven, barely beat Cal, COVID team. Like that team was as bad as it gets. And so I'm not saying Arizona is going to go eleven and one this year, right? But it is. And a lot of it is the transfer of the way the current landscape is, college football and all that. It is pretty remarkable to compare the overall talent level on this team compared to that one.
2: And one thing, too, when you mentioned Rich Rod that kind of struck me is that, yes, Rich Rod had classes that were ranked high, but he just didn't have, him personally or his coaching staff, not only they were good recruiters, but they weren't good at developing talent and being able to really pull out the best in somebody and and really getting to that level, like getting somebody to be an NFL player. And that's ideally the goal. Not everyone's gonna be an NFL player, but really making sure that not only are we getting good guys, like good kids with good character who are really good at those positions, but then we're making them better. And that's what Fish's coaching staff, not only are they all really pretty good recruiters, if not excellent recruiters, they're also excellent coaches on on the field. And, and we've talked about it a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, Dwayne Aquina like, literally sprinting with players to, like, correct something that he saw that wasn't right. Like, I know that there's not a culture that we're used to having coaches that are that dedicated. It hasn't happened in a long time.
1: And, I mean, what – and you also got to look, like – I can name you a bunch of dudes on that team that you've probably never heard of. And, and, and the big thing is, like, overall size. And Mike Luke and I talk about this a lot. If you're going to lose in Sumlin and, you know, Rich Ratu, you want to lose with guys that look the part, right? And, you know, when you look at, like, personnel and you look at Arizona's defensive line at the time, J.B. Brown was on that team. He's at UMass now. Regan Terry didn't play. Wabena Watson didn't play. Eddie CML didn't play. Sean Shaw key transferred. Isaiah Johnson, decent. Roy Lopez was an, is an NFL guy. Awesome. Aaron Blackwell didn't play. Nahai Salonga, whatever. Mikey Irving didn't play. Trevon Mason, Keon Bars, those guys were good, right? But it, it wasn't it like... Even at the time, remember, these guys were young at the time. Like, it, it just, the, the, the amount, like, I could name you, I, like, linebackers, right? If I went through the linebackers in, in, in that last year or something, Anthony Pandy, you know. You don't know who Jabbar Triplett is, Derek Morning, Darian Clark, Dante Smith, Jeremiah Fletcher, Work Freeberg, Parker Henley. Show me those, that was the linebacker unit. How, you know how many of those guys were on scholarship now? Still have a college scholarship Without graduation, like Anthony Pandy graduated. Like, these guys aren't even playing college football anymore, a lot of them. So it's like, and and, and look, there was some talent on that team. Jed said it too. Jed said when he got there, the guys that were talented were gone. Gary Brightwell went to the NFL, Mm -hmm. right? Roy Lopez graduated. And so not only was he rebuilding, but the guys that would have helped him rebuild at the time. Uh, uh, you know, and look, it's and, and to you know, and, and to Jed Fish's credit, there's also guys that that came back, right? Like you know, you, you look at Stanley Hill great player, right? And, and, and very thankful to to have him. You know, and you look at the the running backs, Wiley, not a Jed Fish guy, but no other running back that was on that team is playing is around. Nazar Bombada is still around. Uh, on special teams, you know, and, and you just you, you take a look at it overall and it, it, it's just you look at some of these guys. And you're like, man, I, I forgot that guy was even at Arizona. Like tight end. I'm looking Bryce Wilma and Stacey Marshall.
2: Yeah, I remember Wilma.
1: Right. And Arizona. And I love Bryce Wilma. Mm-hmm. But Arizona has Tanner McLaughlin, Kean Burnett. I mean, and, and it's just the, the overall upgrade at, at each position. And, you know, and again, credit. To some players. Like, trade on Stukes? It's Kevin Sumlin guy, right? He was on that team. But you look at other guys, and it's like, man, like what what happened to these guys? And so, um, just the overall talent upgrade, and we're going to find out. Like, on the defensive side, especially, like, what Judd Fish did is a big risk. He basically ran them all off and, and didn't fight to keep the ones that wanted to go elsewhere. Maybe he could have kept them, but Arizona didn't put up a fight for Christian Roland Wallace, for Jackson Turner, etc. And we're going to find out, but... No matter what happens, I I, I think it is very, very obvious that the talent influx compared to that last year, someone is just night and day.
2: And thank God for Jed Fish. Bear down. Yeah, shall. (laughs) I was going to say, boom, podcast over. But,
1: you know. I mean, it kind of is.
2: Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts?
1: No, I'm pumped. I love college football.
2: We're excited. It's like the best time of year. Eventually, the weather's not going to be uh, 100 million degrees. This whole uptick and heave thing is really sucking today. Yeah. Slash tomorrow. I'm convinced tomorrow.
1: it's going to rain on Saturday because I always convince myself.
2: Do you remember the games in the past, like the first game, first two games of the season, the home ones, where there'd be like lightning delays? There was one <laughs> under bike so, Stoops. I was so mad. I sat out. They told everyone to leave the stadium, and Jason was up in the... Press box and I was on the east side and I refused to leave. And I was in my rain parka and I just sat there for like an hour. And Jason kept texting me like, you don't have to stay out in the rain. And I kind of was just so pissed that I just sat there. The dumbest
1: rain game I ever went to was when I was a student. And everyone already probably knows this. Arizona played Wisconsin. And it was uh, Hurricane Javier. Right. And Hurricane Javier blew into that. And 20th ranked Wisconsin won 9 to 7 on a 16 play drive to end the game. It was delayed for 88 minutes, an hour and a half. And the lightning was insane. So they tried to get uh, people back in and out and in and out. And uh, they got rid, I'm, I remember, they got rid of halftime.
2: Oh, that's cool.
1: Let me look this up. Yes, okay. Referee Gordon Reeves and Mike Stoops and Barry Alvarez, who was the coach at the time, agreed before resumption of play to forego halftime break in order to get the game played ahead of another storm. The rain resumed right after the game started, but there was no lightning. It was the most ridiculous. I was in the stands, and people were, like, leaving, and then they wouldn't leave, but they were like, you're going to die if you don't leave. <laughs> and it was like, whatever, kill us, lightning. We're going to beat 20th-ranked Wisconsin. <laughs> like, it was like, that was one of those, I recall so many just stupid ass games when I was a student. That that one was, uh, was about as good as any. I could do a whole podcast on, what's the other one? I'm trying to think. I think it was TCU in 2003. I'm old. <laughs> but that game was weird too, and I don't remember why.
2: I'm sure you're going to look it up. And you're gonna know in two seconds.
1: TCU won thirteen to ten in overtime. Arizona was zero and three, and TCU was three and zero in ranked. Right, the first like play of the <laughs> it was scoreless. TCU won on a damn field goal in overtime. And Arizona again let up a field goal with a minute left to tie the game, and then lost.
2: In grand Arizona fashion.
1: 13-10 to 10 in overtime. That kicker... <laughs> kick it up. I'm sorry, I'm going to tangent. That kicker had missed two field goals in regulation and then made his next two field goals. First touchdown was on a 90-yard pass. And you're like, oh, it's over. Your boy was the quarterback that time. Which one? Chris Hevener. What? Yeah, your boy, Chris Hevener. I
2: don't think so.
1: <laughs> boy, Chris Hevener.
2: <laughs> anyway... Uh well that was our abrupt detour down memory lane.
1: That was the game before Arizona had lost fifty nine to seven to Purdue.
2: Jason's just gonna keep looking all these up. No, I
1: remember this because I was my first effing year was John Makovic. It was like oh my god. Yikes. Anyway.
2: Anyway, I'm sure. That's a
1: name for Big Twelve fans.
2: We all have uh, very interesting, frustrating stories of Arizona losing. More to <laughs> and uh, we're going to focus on the positive And we're going to bear down They're going to bear down
1: Thanks for joining us everyone Beat NAU Shelby if you were the coach of a football team How many captains would you have?
2: I don't know Four is always a good number
1: Arizona has like eight I think What? Nau U.S. 10 So Arizona got a lot of crap Nau U.S. 10 captains guys Whatever Shelby you're my captain
2: Captain or oh, captain